Hi everyone. Uh, today's message, we're looking at the book of Hosea. Uh, it's a bit of a hard read, to be honest. If you kind of read it, and I encourage you to do that, uh, look through the book of Hosea and the other prophets that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And um, what I wanted to do first, I want to start with a story because this story actually helps me see this book in its entirety. Uh, if you do read this book, what actually you kind of get the impression that God is quite angry and God is is about punishment. And I think um, God's given me this insight into Hosea about um, this book is all about teaching. And so I think I've shared this story with you guys before, but when I was a little kid, I think I was in kindy year one, and I was walking to school, and I was walking with two mates either side, and wasn't far from our house, it was only a couple of hundred metres, and they sort of peer pressured me, oh, we should stick our fingers up at cars that drive past. I wasn't really into it at the start, I wasn't really taught to do that, um, but peer pressure or whatever it might have been, I ended up sticking my finger up at this car that drove past. Now, lucky or unlucky, however you want to look at it, the person in the car was actually a friend of my mum's. And so she, um, I thought it was okay, I got away with it, whatever. It was just a bit of fun between our friends. And she ended up telling mum that that's what I've done. And so when I got back home from school that day, mum was filthy. She was so uh, cranky with me, so upset with me, she sent me straight to my room. And I remember it, this is over 30 years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday, because mum was so loving and kind, but for this particular reason, she was so upset with me that she didn't even want to look at me. She wanted me to be in my room. And I remember her saying, wait till your dad gets home. And you could imagine the anticipation of that afternoon waiting for dad to come home. Um, and I just remember for such a long time, you know, normally if you sent to your room, you can play with your toys or it's, it's not that bad. But I just remember being isolated and feeling isolated in that. And I was only a little kid, but I, I just remember that the punishment was to be isolated and not to feel the love for my mum at that particular time. So what I want you to do is remember that story. I've told that before in church, and, and some of you will probably remember, but remember it because as we look through this difficult book, and I'm not dwelling the, through the whole thing, like we don't have time for that, but what I want to do is just pick out bits and pieces where I've, which have resonated with me and we're going to look at Hosea um, as well as look at what God's saying through Hosea and for us today. So, um, yeah, so Hosea, uh, he's a prophet, obviously, he's a messenger of God. And, and he's at this time, it's a really difficult time for the Israelites because they're going, they're just coming through the end of the really kind of stable period in the, in the in north and the south. You know, we've got Israel and Judah, uh, as Tony spoke about last week. And uh, we're really kind of focusing on Israel, the north, the north kingdom. Um, what we do know, though, in 
in reading Hosea is the south, Judah, is doing quite well. They're serving God. They're worshipping God. Nothing much has changed for them. But Israel have gone off the rails. They have um, basically uh, betrayed God in many ways. And what God is doing through Hosea is giving a reflection on his life and his marriage and it's basically reflecting and illuminating what's happening with God and Israel. So Hosea, straight off the bat, is told, go and marry a prostitute. Now, I'm sure that's not his first choice of a wife, but that's what God asked him to do. Uh, so he married this, this woman who fit, fitted the profile, and her name was Goma. And they end up having uh, a kid. And... Uh, the first child was Jezreel. Now, I hope I said that right. And Jezreel is a very significant name for the Israelite people. They would have known that name because it was actually named after a town or, or a valley that was very significant for the Israel people. Like, I, I'm an Indigenous proud man. And I'm, we've talked about sacred sites, and I learn about sacred sites and... and um, how special they are, how meaningful they are for the people. And I reckon this would have been a sacred site for the Israelites because a lot of battles, a lot of blood was spilt in this area. And a lot of the time God reigned through these battles and that's when they worshipped God and they acknowledged God. And this had significant meaning. And when he asked the Hosea or spoke through Hosea, your first son is going to be Jezreel. Surely that means something for the Israelites to go, oh, remember God when he won us that battle and that battle. And in our history, you know, when when David defeated Goliath in this valley, you know, this is really significant. Surely this means something else. And we know that the name, and we read this a little bit later, we know that that name, Jezreel, means God plants. And that's significant because that kind of gives us this little bit of hope of what might happen in the future. They have another uh, baby, and this time it's a girl, and they call her Lo-Rahama. I hope I said that right. But And that basically, her name means not loved, which is terrible. Like, why would you name a daughter not loved? But it is a reflection of what's going on and what's going to happen for the Israelite people, for Israel. You see, they have, um, like I said, they've gone off the rails. They're, they're not, they're not worshipping God at all. If they are, they're taking the mickey out of God. So they might go and pray and praise God and ask, say, for fertile ground. And then they'll go to Baal or a Canaanite God and say, can you give us fertile ground? And then they're almost like making up, um, rituals or, or, or days where they're kind of drawing on both um, religions or gods. And it's almost like a, it's like a spit in the face of God. It, they're not acknowledging the, the covenant that God made with them. And so this is a learning period for the Israel people where they're going to go through a time where they're not going to feel loved by God. And you might think, oh, that's not the God that I know and that's not the God that I worship. But like I said, refer back to that story of me as a kid. This is a teaching moment. This is a teaching moment for them 
to feel isolated so that hopefully in the future they come back to the relationship restored. They have another uh, baby, this time a son, and his name is Lo-Ama, Lo-Ami. And he means not my people. So again, this is this is this is something you don't want to name your kid, but this is something God has told Hosea to name his third child, you know, not my people. Now we know this is very significant, very significant for God constantly said that Israel is his people. This is what separated them from everybody else. But what's going on here, there's going to be a period in the Israel's uh, future where they're not going to recognize God as, as theirs. And God's going to recognize them as not his. So the, the covenant is almost broken. It's gone. And you see, you look at her um, Hosea and Goma. Now, we know Goma's reputation. She's a prostitute. Uh, she's not She's not a ideal candidate for a wife. In fact, um, she continues on her path as a prostitute, even though she's married. So basically, you could say she's being unfaithful. She's breaking that covenant between husband and wife. And this is how God feels with his people. He feels betrayed. He feels like they're being unfaithful, like in a marriage. They haven't honoured the covenant. And I love this because I tell you what, even though it's really hard to read about the, the punishment and the judgment that that's going to happen, I tell you what, it shows me how God feels. God loves us that much as when his people betray him badly, it hurts him. And that is significant. That is so significant because God's not uh, God's not a robot, but he is a God of relationship. And when that relationship is broken, he's broken. So um, even though there is a lot of doom and gloom about you know, not feeling loved and not feeling like God is our God, um, there's a verse in, in chapter 2 I want to read to you guys. Um, which I think really sums up um, this little bit of hope that I was talking about before, about what will happen after the kind of the punishment. Uh, it's from Hosea chapter 2, and it's uh, from verse uh, 19, and I'll just read to the end of that chapter. Um, and it sums up basically what I've been talking about, just this, this, this nice little hope that, that's coming through. It says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day, I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds, and the sky will answer the earth with rain, and the earth will answer the thirsty cries of, of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees. And they in turn will answer, Jezreel, God plants. At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them up for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved and to those I called not my people. I will say, you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. <laughs> 
And I thought that was a perfect kind of summary of what I've been talking about. There's this period of, of I guess, punishment, the judgment going on for the Israelites, and there's, they're not going to feel God. But those verses there say, in a period of time, they will feel loved. They will be my people and they will call me God. So there's this acknowledgement back. The, the, the covenant's been restored and the relationship and reconciliation in the relationship. And that's, that's so powerful. That is so powerful for us today and so powerful for the Israelites to know um, that God hasn't given up on them. Like I said back right at the start, when I was feeling isolated in my bedroom because I had basically betrayed my mum, she didn't teach me to do that. And she was so upset and um, I think she felt embarrassed that my behaviour didn't represent her. And this is how God's feeling. That Israel's behaviour is not reflecting the relationship that they have. In fact, it's going against everything that God stands for. And I guess that's why mum was so hurt. It kind of went against everything that she stood for about loving others and being respectful. And um, I just remember, um, you know, dad coming in and I thought, oh, I'm going to get a smack here, you know, <laughs> or this is going to be terrible. But it was actually one time where dad just explained to me what I did wrong. And I don't remember a really harsh punishment from it. I just remember being uh, explained about what it means and, and how rude it was and and that um, that behaviour was not acceptable. And it was quite, in the end, it was quite a pleasant experience being restored back to, to mum and dad and, and feeling loved again. And that's what I think God's doing here with his people. He wants to get to that point of restoration, but he wants them to know and learn that they've made some mistakes. And that's what separates us from God is our own sin. And God can't just, oh, well, okay, whatever. We know from the history of God that sin gets in the way of the relationship. And unfortunately for the Israels, it's been a consistent thing. They follow God, they turn away. They follow God, they turn away. They follow God, they turn away. We kind of see that in the marriage there too, because it's been a habit for Gomer to be unfaithful. It's been a habit. And so what God is doing is saying, I'm going to restore. Um, he's telling Hosea, even though she's uh, gone behind your back, go and get her and restore the relationship and show her love. And even says, like, if she owes money to people, her, her lovers or whatever it might be, go and restore the payments so that she can be fully restored to you. And that's that's powerful. That is such a powerful um, expression of love for uh, a hurting husband to go and restore a relationship where he's been betrayed. Uh, and that's how God feels. That's how God's feeling in Hosea. What I want to do just quickly is finish with some of the questions that Tony's asked me to kind of look at. And I think I've, I've mentioned some of them, but I think it's a cool way of summarizing Hosea. Um, so we know... First of all, uh, who is this prophet? We know it's Hosea. Uh, he's a husband, probably an unhappy husband, but 
He's a husband nonetheless. He's a father. He's a prophet. He's a messenger of God. We know that he's faithful. And we also know through the writing and the language of the book, he's quite um, educated. He knows his um, history. He's probably influenced a lot by the Proverbs as well. Some of his writing is quite poetic. Um, so he's quite switched on. He's quite a switched on prophet. And he's, and he's in a time where it's probably one of the darkest times for Israel. They're feeling really separated from God and they've totally gone off the rails. Uh, what did he say? Or what did he have to say? Well, it's basically it's a massive warning to them. He's letting them know that your behavior is not acceptable and that you need to change. And in all of that, that what you've done, God has been hurt by this. And so you, you need to change your ways but it's also warning them that your behavior is not acceptable. And it's kind of that period where I was in my room. Mum very quickly said, go to your room. And in that time, I knew, I knew my behavior was not acceptable. And so this is a period for them to know that what they're doing is unacceptable. Uh, why did he need to say it? Well, because God wanted to restore the relationship. God didn't want them to keep going the way they were. And uh, God wanted his people back. He wanted that covenant, that restoration. And so that's why Hosea has written this book, is to let the, uh, Israel know, hey, listen, guys, it's time to change. And punishment's coming. Um, was there any um, word of a future hope in this message? Most definitely. And I've tried to pick on that the most because in light of this quite heavy book um hope is that glimmer that i cling to the most and i'm sure we all do um so yeah like i read um there is going to be a time where there's restoration there is going to be a time where god and israel are going to come back together but you know what um we get to see that through the lens of jesus christ as well the ultimate restoration of of relationship um we talk about, uh, I think he talks about at the end, like there's this, there's going to be a time when all of Israel is united under one king again. Um, that was one thing that was going on. There was um, uh, Jer Jeroboam the second was the last king. That's kind of when Hosea first started writing. And then from then on, there was king after king after king. They're so inconsistent, basically assassinating king after king. There was no... There's no strong leadership, and you can see that in their behaviour. Um, so uh, why is this important for us today? Um, one of the best things I, I got out of this was was how um, inconsistent humanity is, whether it's back in Bible time or now. Uh, we know that um, even Christians can be inconsistent in their walk with God, and so it reminds me of how consistent God is. Um, I love the fact that God is relational. Uh, he, uh, in some way, it's not good, but like I said before, when his heart was broken, man, that really sits for me because it makes me realize that my relationship with God is a relationship. It's not about master and slave, but it's more about a loving relationship you know when the bible talks about us loving god with our heart soul mind and strength if we're actually doing that i'm sure that pleases god but when we're not doing that i'm sure he's um 
he's not feeling it. He's not feeling it. And, and, and that probably reflects in our behavior as well. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that's important for us to not realize that God is consistent. God's love is consistent, even though we're not. That that transcends over time. Um, I love that God restores. He's a God of restoration. He wants us back regardless of what we've done. Um, and God's committed to the relationship um, like we saw in Hosea. Even though he felt betrayed, he wanted to restore it. He didn't want to give up on it. And that's how I feel about God for us today. God doesn't give up on us. And that's that speaks volumes for anyone in any position. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us. And hopefully Hosea's book's been an encouragement. Uh, it's a read, so give it a read. And, um, and hopefully you're encouraged by looking at the lens of God's um, teaching Israel a lesson um, in order to get to restoration. So let me pray, Lord. Thank you for your love, your hope. Um, thank you for Jesus Christ who gives us the ultimate um, hope. We, Lord, we know we read as he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, Lord, as we continue to uh, endeavor to follow uh, in his footsteps, Father, Lord, we pray that you will take any distractions away from us. Lord, we thank you that your love is consistent. Thank you, Lord, that you uh, love us and that you want to restore us back to yourself every day. And, Lord, as we um, um, go out throughout this week, Father, I pray that um, you will keep, keep us in good stead. Lord, help us to be faithful and trustworthy. Help us to be great examples of who you are. And so that when people see us or or hear about us or know us, Lord, they know that we belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.